Okay, we are rolling. Ooh. Counting us down. Missing out. Three. Coming at you. Two. Go liberate your mind. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other and you, the audience, to different media, whether it be music, television, movies, spoken word, books, experiences. We talk about how those things have built us as people. We hope it builds you. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Yep, and that's that's why you took the top. Prize for monologues at States this year. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it helps when you punch through a wall. They know you're serious, baby. And you yell. Hell, yeah. Like, if you're given sides to read, you drop to your knees and you make fists. And you, like, ball up your sides. And you're like, Yeah. Start slamming on the floor. And then you get up (laughs) and you're you're like, thank you. And next, my dramatic monologue. Uh Uh-huh. And they just start crying. They're yeah. Just like, they're like single tear on all of the judges' cheeks. Yeah. Last year, I won by just, I walked on stage and I just yelled Stella for about 10 minutes straight. Um, I mean, I ran back and forth on the stage. I just kept yelling it. Uh, and eventually they were like, sir, we will give you the prize if you just leave. Yeah, no, I was, I was there. I was one of the judges. Yeah. I was the one who suggested we just give you a prize so you'd go away. Right. Yeah, that was me. I know. I, know. Thank I, you. Was, I was not convinced you had read the whole play. <laughs> uh, no, just that line. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this week, we are talking about the 2002 album by Disturbed. It was their sophomore album called Believe. Um, this was their first foray into more melodic uh wider range vocals, uh, more, uh, they were trying to strip themselves away from the new metal uh, label and they decided to essentially go whole hog into a more vulnerable album. And so that is, hell yeah, that is Believe. I recommended this to Lex Michael. Uh, So this was, was this your first time listening to it? uh, It was my first time through the entire album. Okay. When I was in high school, I went through not a not a disturbed phase specifically, yeah. but I went through a phase like I think many of us did. Uh, we were all so so angst ridden. Oh yeah, um, you know where I was really into that type of music. Not like I never got into like um, like you know like Slipknot was big for a lot of people when I yeah. was in high school. I never really got into it. Not like I disliked it. I just feel like I missed that train completely. Right. So a lot of a lot of similar acts. I didn't necessarily go in that particular direction. But bands like Disturbed, a lot of bands that now um. If I heard the song, I'd be like, oh, that one. But I don't know what they're called. They had like one or two songs and then right. sort of disappeared. Um, but there were a number of tracks off of both uh, combined this album and their uh, for the sickness uh, that I had in pretty regular rotation. Yeah. So off of this album, I think like Prayer and Intoxication, um, yeah. for example, I think like they were on many a burned CD <laughs> uh, for sure. But no, this is my first time through the entire album and my first time really considering it as uh, uh an overall work with a unifying theme yeah for sure i was uh i was i was down with the sickness as it were mm-hmm. but i was not all the way down right with the sickness 
I was not uh, I was not fully stupefied, if you will. Ooh, yeah. I like what you're doing here. Yeah. There's a lot of um. I will say there's less there's less uh like oh what type stuff <laughs> on this album. Yes. Um. There's a, there is some like oh oh like they're really into their their kind of guttural, guttural grunting noises. Yeah. Noises. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, now I understand I have a greater context for, for the steps that they were making in a different direction artistically. Yeah. Because just listening to say like, uh, you know, like uh, down with the sickness and intoxication back to back, I didn't necessarily see too great, uh, a deviation from one to the other. Yeah. But now like, you know, looking at both as part of their, uh, both as part of their respective holes, I can definitely see a, an artistic progression that I had not really keyed into at all in, yeah in high school when i was listening to <laughs> would you what you in high school you weren't like ooh, i really like the more complex guitar compositions as opposed to the more heavy grunge-like orientations of the first album i mean look i was definitely that pretentious about plenty <laughs> of music but not no not in the case of disturbed specifically yeah. i was more, no but like um disturbed and bands like disturbed i always I, I like disturbed, for example, I liked, but I was never like, it's not that I liked it. Ironically, I genuinely liked it, but yeah. there's something about how serious it's, it seems to take itself, like how seriously it, it seems to take itself that kept me from taking it fully seriously. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and that this is consistently true for me across many subgenres of, of music. It's like, it's just so, so self-seriously angsty. And then occasionally punctuated with like, oh, wah! and it's just like, all right, like how straight are you playing it? Because it seems like you're playing it real straight. And there's something a little bit like inherently silly about that. Interesting. Um, I mean, I know that like, especially in their first album, they were going for a specifically like metal feel. They And, and I think that like anytime you're in your first album you want to like stand out and i feel like that specific like guttural animal soundy kind of thing uh was definitely their way of kind of um showing their like style right. um very it's very aggressive yeah this this gentleman would really like me to be down with this sickness of some kind i mean you should He's be super like he just keeps saying it he called me a fucker <laughs> um but i think that like well i had read that the main the lead singer um david drummond david drummond david drummond yep don draper Dem david Drummond. um the lead singer had gotten surgery on his throat which essentially uh like opened up his vocal cords to different uh like his vocal range which allowed him to to both um sing more melodically but also um during that time he had like lost a a grandfather he was estranged from and uh you know there's this crazy thing that happened called 9-11 go um, on tell me more yeah uh, those are two numbers i love yeah so on 9-11 2001 uh, a great tragedy happened in the united states which uh, essentially uh, pushed him to do a more vulnerable album. Sure. Um, because he was feeling all these things and, and he was dealing with um, just one, seeing how people reacted to that tragedy, but also like dealing with his own personal strife. 
he needed a way to put that into his music. And so like, it's, I'm sure that he has a lot of fun doing screamy, feel the evil stuff. But I think that like, this was his moment to kind of make his music his own, uh, which like really shines in this album. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels a great deal more personal than anything I remember off of the first album, which really, yeah, like you were saying, really by comparison feels very, very in your face. Yeah. Very, very, yes, very, very, very insistent that you uh, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, like this, this album, and, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, it's very, um, there's still the, the kind of hard audaciousness to their sound. Yeah. But it feels like we're actually making a, a coherent statement with with intention, with depth, with purpose, um, and I, you'll have to tell me, I guess, if you if you read some type of resolution into it, like you feel like he necessarily arrives at a specific conclusion about these things that he's grappling with. But for me, just watching or listening to him sort of grapple with these with these massive concepts. Um, you know, life and death and good and evil and sort of where where any of us sort of fit in on that spectrum. Yeah. And the the toll it ex- extracts from all of us, regardless of what side we attempt to align ourselves with, like that's fascinating. And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we really even even attempted that sort of uh, loftiness on the first album. No, I think it was just. I think the first album was very much just them being like, "Yeah, angst is cool," but like. In, and and the idea of them tackling these more lofty ideas, like it, I think this album was the gateway t- for them feeling comfortable in doing so. Because like in, in later albums, they start getting into like politics and, and, and um, more religion and, and just how people are, are interacting. Like there's a, there's a, there's specifically like Bush related songs on the next album. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It is. So I'm I'm looking right now. I'm just jumping onto my little little, little music little music app because I'm looking at their discography. Yeah. Um and it's possible. Let me see. It is very possible. Yes, I actually think Believe would would be the most recent stuff of theirs I've heard. I don't think I heard an, I've heard anything that they have done since then. Oh, interesting. They're uh they definitely got some intense cover art going on who is this gentleman with the glowing eyes that seems to pop up on every album cover after that? Um, he's on the he's on the covers of let's see uh Ten Thousand fists where yeah. he's hanging out with uh, a bunch of friends mm-hmm. looks like uh indestructible where uh he's walking out of some fire yeah i guess uh, i guess the title maybe refers to this gentleman uh-huh uh asylum where he's just sort of wailing looks like he's uh he's upset about something maybe he's locked in an asylum and doesn't want to be uh-huh he's also on uh immortalized where he's it looks like maybe there's a giant structure that resembles him which i guess tracks and then they've got this album which i guess is their most recent which is uh, this year called uh evolution but there's like a double helix thing going on on the album cover no no gentleman with the glowing eyes to be found <laughs> but maybe it's his dna it could be. Yeah, maybe we're starting again. We're splitting. We're we're resplitting the atom, and we're we're reproducing this hooded, glowing eyes gentleman. Um, so you know nothing about this person. There's a, a, a the character has a name. I do not remember it at this moment. Jake. Um. Uh. It is like I believe on their first, not a, uh on one of their albums. There is just like a an errant smile and and eyes. 
um, or at least it was like on one of their single covers. Um, and this is kind of the character that is the face behind that um, that um, that smile in those eyes. Um, and in their in in the first album that he 10,000 fists I believe and the 10,000 fists album that album is specifically about coming together and 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 revolution because again we were in a very rough administration um and it was kind of uh oh, the idea we were of so innocent even then <laughs> we were so innocent and childlike even even in 2005 yeah but uh it was it was about like 10,000 fists rising up against. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Yes. That's why he's on the cover with all of his buddies. Right. Well, I guess I'm just assuming it's a, it's a male. That's actually pretty on PC of me. I mean, you see him shirtless and it's, uh, it's man pecs. Oh, so, right. uh, well, ooh. I don't, he's not shirtless on any of these album covers. I mean, maybe he's shirtless in the liner notes. Maybe there's a big centerfold with this demon fellow on it. Maybe, but he, he looks pretty, pretty demonic. Looks like he's maybe up to no good. But maybe he's I mean, like uh, maybe that's your prejudgment, though, bro. But wait, like, is he is he like maybe he was formerly villainous and now fights on the side of good? Like maybe he's T two Arnold instead of T one Arnold. Spoilers for Terminator Ooh. Two, I guess. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen, I think yeah, it's, it's like if you rise down, right? If you're if you are over the age of twelve and you haven't seen it, you probably aren't going to. So right. Yeah. I mean, or maybe your first one was Genesis, and then at that point you're already spoiled. Oh my God. Right. Um, but no. Um, so were there any standout tracks for you on this album? Um, for me, honestly, maybe purely for nostalgia, the ones that stuck out to me were the ones that were constantly in rotation. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, what? Uh, I'm making disturbed sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like you're coughing up a hairball. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, and umming today. Yeah. There's a lot of it. You gotta get, now you have to meticulously go through and cut out nope. each and they everyone. all stay. No. I, Lex Michael is human, just like the rest of us. Bullshit. Oh yeah. Bull Look how human he is. Shit. I, no, I'm, I, I, I scrape human. I'm a, I'm a sub, I'm like the, the smiley demon guy. I'm, I'm something subhuman. I'm in the world, but not of it. Mmm. Got it. Yeah, I get you. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. No, I, I get it. Everyone gets it. It doesn't mean anything. Lex, like, just embrace embrace still, who you are. No, I want to know what about the demon are. guy. That's really all this is. I just want to know it? more about the demon guy. Google it. Uh, he doesn't, he, he isn't in this know, album yet. I don't want to know He's not that badly. on this album. Like I'm, We're talking about <laughs> Believe. Speaking of album covers, though. Oh yeah, talk to me um, about talk to me about what this what this symbol on the front is. So I mean, it's uh, a big pentagram thing, but it's like pentagrams on pentagrams with some horns. Sort of. Um, if you uh, the the lead singer described it as the the symbol of belief. Um, if you break it down, it is um, it is the star of David. It is the pentagram. It is the um, crescent for, of Islam, and it is also the mm-hmm. the four corners cross of Christianity. Yeah, I'm seeing that here. Yeah, um, because the 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 uh, the album itself is about belief. Not, I mean, there are specific like Bible quotes in the uh, album. What are you laughing? I'm at? laughing because I'm looking at the symbol and hearing you explain it to me. And like, look, like I get it. I totally get what he's going for here. And it does look aesthetically. It looks pretty cool. But I'm loving the idea of him going. 
it's one symbol. That's every symbol. <laughs> just layering and like uh, sitting there at the computer and just click, click, click with the graphics program and like the other band members just standing in the back of the room going, he's completely lost his mind. <laughs> and he's just layering uh, religious icon over religious, uh, just laughing maniacally. He's uh -huh. like, I've done it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm sitting over here giggling. Yeah, about. How did you know that's how it happened? That's the origin. Wow. When I make when I make the uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody about Disturbed, that's gonna be the like twenty. That's gonna be the Live Aid sequence. It's just right. gonna be twenty minutes of me recreating faithfully the the moment where he just cracked and started uh -huh. layering symbol over symbol over symbol. Right, and then he puts a hood on and his eyes start glowing and he smiles real big. And, and you're that's like, the secret origin. Him right. the whole time. So wait. Okay, since we're talking about album covers, and since clearly you have a greater knowledge base of Disturbed than I do, can you explain to me what the album cover for The Sickness is? It's a it's a face, and then it's like folding in on itself. What don't you understand about it? But like, it looks like it's pop, like it's being birthed. I mean, it could be. It could like. So, will we ever know? Do you I think mean, they know? They Do you think they just like found this photograph like in a lockbox in a dingy basement? Like Maybe. while they were on, well, like while they were touring as a small, like before they got signed, like they just, or like an old club, like, you know, like they go to this weird seedy club to play in the middle of nowhere and they're walking around. It's like, is this the green room? And they like find this old lockbox covered in cobwebs and shit. And in it, they find a ton of photos and this is the one they picked for the album cover. Yeah. And I that's where that's... they meet the the demon fellow. Like they found drawings of him or something. Like, right. Like yeah, really yeah. old, kind of tattered. Like the edges look like maybe they were burned or something. Mm -hmm. And this is of that guy. And they're like, well, that's pretty metal. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like the 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 hooded guy is like they're the slender man. <laughs> like you hear all you hear rumors, and then you just keep seeing him. Like the 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 only way that they can escape him is to put him on their album covers and that's the only way to get him off their back. It's like it's like Wes Craven's new nightmare. It's like if you don't like Freddy Krueger is basically this this like uh, uh, embodiment of evil, right? And the yeah. only way to keep him contained is basically keep making the movies. And so he's contained to the movies uh -huh. because if you go too long without without sort of trapping him in that way, he'll basically escape to wreak havoc on your dreams and like your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like that. Yeah. It's like they're the disturbed is living the plot of Wes Craven's new nightmare. Mm hmm. Um, which is crazy. Cause they, the last album doesn't have the guy on there. Do you think he's now in the world? I, what my head cannon is now like he has escaped. Yeah. And the DNA is them trying to genetically engineer something powerful enough to stop him. Ooh. And they have, maybe it is like a little bit of his DNA. Yeah. And they're trying to use his DNA to create something even more deadly and powerful. Right. If you're trying to penetrate the most, the strongest uh, material, you need a little bit of that material to do it. And your fisting shirt. Exactly. Yeah. How else are you going to get through unless you wear your fist fisting shirt and you pound it through? Ooh. What? Ooh. It's a, it's a, we're talking about the hardest material. You have to like take that material and pound it against. What? Living just isn't hard enough. It isn't. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of that song, um, they uh, that is based off of the story of Job. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the the song Prayer. I mean, um, I I know that living isn't hard enough. 
And yeah. he would like you to burn him alive inside. <laughs> but actually, okay, that actually, if it's about the story of Job, that, that tracks a little bit. Yeah. And Job is the story, if, if y'all don't know your, your, your Sunday schools, if y'all didn't get Sunday schooled. Hell yeah. Uh, Job is the story basically where God and the devil are sitting around and like, I don't know, blowing each other or whatever. And yep. <laughs> your face, that's, that's it. the story. Uh-huh. No, they're, so they're, they get into a debate about uh, Job, right? Who's a faithful, faithful servant of God. And the devil tells God, well, Job is only faithful to you. He's only your faithful servant because you've provided for him. And if you didn't provide, if you took away instead, Job would turn his back on you in a heartbeat because that's, that's how men are. And God says, not so, Satan. He- heck nah. I'm, <laughs> I'm God. I don't I won't go in for that. You... I'll yep. prove you wrong. Yep. I'm going to take all of Job's nice shit. And so, right, like, doesn't he, like, kill his flock and, like, washes away his home or something? Like, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. His he, like, children are sold into slavery. I don't remember the specifics. I mean, yes. But he, basically, he, he kills all his livestock, kills his family, um, gives him boils. Yes. Uh, basically, just makes shit real difficult for Job. Yeah. But ultimately, Job's faith in God is unwavering. Right. Uh, despite everything that God has taken from him, Job remains a humble and faithful servant of God. God wins the bet. Uh, the devil has to pay God's rent for a month. Right. Yeah. I mean, as as it is, it's really expensive in heaven. You think it's expensive to live in like Silicon Valley or New York or LA? Bro, heaven, it's crazy. And and ultimately, of course, Job is is ultimately rewarded for, for his unwavering uh, yeah. faith and devotion. Yeah, he got remarried, got more kids, more livestock, um, bigger house. It's like, house. fuck my old family, here's my new family. Yeah. They're way better. <laughs> and like in heaven, his wife's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like that's actually, because right, he, he doesn't get his old family back, right? Like I, if I'm not mistaken, the way the story goes is he just gets a new wife and children. Yeah. That he's given problematic he's given a wife and children as a as just a, a you know prize by god fine but like if heaven is if heaven is a real place yeah. and job's first wife and children who were just mercilessly sacrificed as pawns in god's bullshit game with satan yeah they would presumably if they were good faithful people go to heaven yeah and they'd be up there Right. And so Job's old wife would be sitting up there going, you motherfucker. Like, what? what is this shit? Like, I have to watch this now. I have to watch. I died for no reason. No re- You brought me into your bullshit. I died for nothing. Well, I and mean. Now I have to watch this shit for the rest of your natural life? Fuck you. Well, I guess technically, if they were devout followers, um, and they are in like what we could imagine is like, a heaven where you feel no strife and, and anger and all that stuff. <laughs> she's like, ah, like, oh, I'm chill with it. I mean, yeah, she's like, oh, cool. You brought me you brought me here and you didn't make me suffer through like all the other stuff. Tight. Oh, my husband's happy. Nice. Right. It I'm going to be... go water slide in the milkshake water slide. That's what first, I first thing when they show you around heaven. That's the very <laughs> first thing. It's like in the it's like in the visitor center. Yeah. Area. Um, but. No, it actually makes a ton of stuff because these people's whole deal, right, is just like, but this is what God wants. Right. This is what God wants for us. God wants me to watch my husband live a happy, fulfilling life with another woman. He wants this. Yeah. Therefore, I want this. It's like one tear. It's like, <laughs> like in, in the scene in Get Out where it's like she's clearly cracking and just one tear goes down her face. Uh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I when I presented this album to you, Lex Michael. Yeah, we, we um, way buried the lead on this whole conversation. Uh, I 
I I said I wanted to use it to talk about um, our our relationship to religion. This uh, this album for me specifically, um, I had found it at a time when I was just starting to kind of like uh, figure out my my own beliefs and all that. Like I feel like I was going through the same journey that um, that this album is is kind of emblematic of is in in that like David wanted it to be a way of talking about questioning your faith and what you truly believe in and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for me, um, if I don't know, I don't know if I've ever talked about my, my history with religion on this podcast or anything like have, that. And I don't believe we've ever talked about it off of this podcast either. I feel like it's one of those things that I'm always personally very fascinated by, but it's one of those things where like, even if you're good friends with somebody, it's almost like you just don't ask. Yeah. You know, even if you know that you can comfortably talk about it with the other person, there will be no contention. There will be no hard feelings. Even if you end up disagreeing, it still, for me, has always felt like just don't, especially because for a long time I had some real, real strong opinions and I knew ahead of time, it's like, this is just don't engage. It's just don't engage with this and, and everyone's going to have a nicer day. You included. Right. Um, so no, we've never, I don't believe we've ever talked about it okay. at all. Um, yeah. And, and like, I I want to preface this by being like these are about our personal journeys and like like what we believe and all that stuff. So like and not for nothing, like I have chilled way out. Like you know, <laughs> I still believe what I believe, but yeah. I've chilled way out in terms of how I approach expressing it. Right. Um, same. So like I I specifically grew up in a very like I like religious family. Like my grandma owned uh, a church and we would go there every sunday really? yeah w- uh um, where uh in oakland originally in east palo alto um and then later uh it was in uh oakland uh and so we would we would go to my grandma's church all the time my mom eventually decided to move us from my grandma's church to another church in hayward which we eventually moved to what was the specific denomination um it was um like i like I would really know the difference in detail. But. <laughs> um, I I forget the specific um, like there's a an acronym, um, which basically is like born again and all that stuff. Um, but it's like see oh blah 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 Christ Jesus Christ and something something. Um, but basically like Baptist closest to Baptist. That's okay. Um, I mean most I think I feel like most um black churches are are Baptist. Um. But it's something you can say. I can't. Um, don't you agree, Lex Michael? What do you think all black churches are? No, um, I believe I believe it's Baptist. I mean, look, um, in all of the in all of the media I consumed growing up, they were always Baptist. Yeah. But um, the media tells us all sorts of things. Um, um anyway, uh so um that was the denomination we we um we as a like my immediate family like my mom my sisters and i um started going to this other church in hayward that was about the same denomination maybe like more episcopal leaning um very evangelical though um and when you say you go to went to church like every sunday like religiously yes <laughs> 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 um yes 
uh, every no, Sunday. No more of that. Um, um, okay, so like yeah. it was very much that was part of your life. Was part of the way you guys live. Like, yeah, it's very much a part of your family identity. Though. Right. Okay. Um, and so like we, so that was something that I had just like grown up taken for granted. Like just church is what you do. Like not necessarily that like I knew enough to believe in anything. Just that like I knew that like the Bible is there and, and Jesus says this and, and, and God says this and this is bad according to church. Um, but like by high school, I had started kind of like questioning that whole dynamic, especially like everyone gets to a point in their life where they're like, well, if, if God exists, why do bad things happen? And like I at that point in my life had had not li- like things weren't never great. Um, things were never great. A yes. bunch of negatives. Right. Um, things were never super great. And so like I think at a certain point in high school, I was like part of the like Christian club in high school. Like I had even gone so far as like in college, I was um, like part of this Bible study and all that stuff. Like wow. I was in it. So like um, into, into college. Right. Wow. Um, I, I, yeah. We've not talked about this. I oh, did not know this about you. Yeah. I would like, I had, I had got, I didn't quite, I dove quite deep mostly cause it was part of like my upbringing, but it was also like a, a piece of like, myself and that like I, I had always grown up as a pretty um like I don't know how the the how to describe it but like you know I I, I was always like into following rules and 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 this was like the rule system that I had set forth before me right and if um, it was introduced into your world from a very very young age it's like at a certain point it's like yeah this is just part of who I am this is part of the way I've lived my life that all tracks yeah um, but like at a certain point, like I had grown up and I was like, I, I, I felt like I wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily something I believed in because it was like something I had chosen for myself. And like, so I had essentially started kind of trying to find my own way. And like, at a certain, like once you become a teenager, I think that like you start to realize that a lot of religion, religious teachings are more shame based than, um, than anything or at least that's how I felt Mm -hmm. um and so I felt like um I felt like I was getting more shame than I was like the 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 good side of religion right like the the supposed loving supportive embracing right yeah um which I I didn't like I didn't I didn't enjoy that and so like um around my like freshman year of college was when I I decided to kind of take a turn and I, I decided to just put embrace my, the devil. Hell yeah. I was like, I'm going to let the darkness in. No, is I that, decided is that to, when you tattooed the six, six, six on your forehead. Yeah. I was, I never wanted to ask about that either. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I wondered why you didn't ask. It's, it's really like the best conversation starter it's there to be commented on. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I just decided that I would set aside the religious aspect and, and, and like the Bible study at part of me. And I would continue to live by like, you know, I wouldn't murder anyone or I wouldn't steal or I wouldn't do these things, but like you can, I think there are plenty of good reasons not to do those things that aren't faith-based. But like, I think that that was something I had to learn at some point was to try to separate the idea of what is moral versus what is, um, deemed good by religious standards. That is something I've 
always found incredibly freaky about religion. Yeah. Because that gets, not in every case, certainly, of course, I don't think, like like you said at the beginning of this particular part of the conversation, we're talking about our personal experiences. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to make any broad generalizations about religious people as a whole because they come in all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, quality of character. Yeah. Um, in a lot of cases, that line gets blurred. Like you, you lose or maybe you never develop a sense of morality that isn't directly tethered to scripture right and i've always found that super creepy i mean like and i and that's sorry that sounds really judgmental and i don't mean it to sound judgy i know it does and i don't (laughs) but i don't i don't necessarily mean it that way i mean for me personally yeah i have always not like you're a creepy person it's just like i always found that just kind of be an unsettling thought I, i don't know if that well, I don't know I if mean, that makes sense in a way that doesn't come off super judgy because, like, I, th- I don't intend it. To. Right. I think what I what I hear when you say that is that, like, it it feels slightly devoid of, and when I use the word devoid, I also am, am like not meaning it. We'll hyper qualify like, over and over and over. Right. In case you're just tuning in, <laughs> we really we don't hate you. No, I mean, but it it I get from a, a, a pers- from. From a certain perspective, it feels like if you are drawing all of your sense of morality from like this this uh, pre-written book, then it doesn't get leave a lot of room for indiv- like individual thought because essentially you are um, you are going this is what this says, and so that is the way that I live my life, and it it, it kind of gives you from the outside a, a disconnect between like well maybe you as an individual might believe something different if not for the existence of this rule book right Um, and i I find myself wondering well is this book the only thing keeping you from murdering people say like if this book wasn't there right would you murder people because for me i'm not if folks if you haven't pieced this together yet i am not a person of faith myself well I do believe in certain things, but I'm not a person of specific religious faith. Right. I'll put it that way. Um, but for me personally, yeah. I don't need a rule book telling me not to kill people. I mean, first, laws exist, but secondly, empathy exists. Like the biggest reason I don't, I mean, I guess the biggest reason anyone doesn't kill anybody else is because we don't want to go to prison for the rest of our lives, sure. But I think a, a, a not even a secondary, I think just as compelling a reason is a sense of empathy. It's like, I, I, even if I'm really furiously angry at somebody, even if I want to curse their name, even if in a moment of weakness I say, like, you know, in like private to myself, I was just like, oh, I wish that person would just die, whatever. We all have those moments. Yeah. I don't believe myself capable of that act. Maybe in self-defense scenarios it would be different. Yeah. But I don't believe myself capable of that act because I can empathize with the other person as another person. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people of faith can't or wouldn't, but my, my mind starts going down these rabbit holes about like, but like if you're putting all of your stock in that, and that is the more than laws, more than the laws of man, the perceived laws of God, if those were absent, what would guide your moral compass? Well, I mean, I think that like, you, I think that you can't, like, assume that someone will 
like minus the the rules of the Bible go and on like a murdering spree. Or, no, no, and no, of no, course, no, 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 I don't. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. assume that. No, I'm qualifying. Right. Um, I mean, I think that like, especially having ex- like existed in in the the like spiritual space for so long, I feel like it's really like I I almost sometimes envy the the idea of being so like because life is hard life is insanely hard and having and like and and again life doesn't come with an instruction manual except that if you are of faith like it kind of does it gives you in a sense yeah yeah it gives you a way of like knowing what is quote-unquote good or bad and in that like and the things that you can't control like they're out of your hands so it gives you a way of just like living your life in a way that like you have your own sense of accountability, but beyond that, like you can in a way accept the things that you can't change, Yes, which I think is really interesting. And I, I wish that like it was a way that I could live. Oh, I'm dude. I've, I am so deeply envious of the ability to buy in as it were, you yeah. know, because I, it's no, it's no mystery why religion is so appealing to so many people. Yeah. Because life is hard. Life is hard. It's really hard. Did you know life is hard? Oh, I know. Anything that can give you a feeling of purpose, that there is a point to all of this, that there is a point to your suffering, that there is a point to watching people you care about, good people suffer, that this is part of a bigger plan than you can realize. And at the end, as long as you live your life in a good, noble, upstanding, faithful way, you will be rewarded for all of the arduousness and the suffering and the harsh times that you went through. Yeah. What the fuck could be more appealing than that? What the fuck could be more appealing than the the promised upsides of of faith, eternal happiness in the afterlife? Yeah. What could be more appealing than that? And I totally understand why so many, so many, so many people need something like that to cling to. I get it, and I, I hope that part doesn't sound super judgy because nothing on earth makes more sense to me than that. Yeah, it it's kind of hard sometimes to not have a specific faith. That, that you feel you can buy into fully because what is the purpose of all of this? We don't know. There might be one. There might not be one. Yeah. But the idea that after this, there is nothing that we can... And we could talk a little bit about how, like, I I do believe there is stuff that occurs after we die. I just don't think it's stuff as described in any major religion. Yeah. Um. But the the, the idea that it's either nothing... Or something that is so far beyond our our capacity to understand in this life that it may as well be nothing for all our brains can conceptualize. Yeah. That's a big, pretty horrifying thing to try and come to grips with. Yeah. Absent some type of faith. Because some type of faith promises you something that is loving and warm and eternally good. Yeah. And something that, as described, like... It bears at least some resemblance to existence as we understand it. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, for me is one of the bigger hurdles into fully buying in, um, in, in specifically the concept of heaven. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess yeah, I get it. Is my is my point? My right. ultimate point is a very long winded way uh, to contextualize what I'm saying. But yeah, I completely understand. 
Um, and I do, I do too feel a little bit envious of it, but I was never able to, before I was old enough to start like rejecting the idea entirely. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've, I've chilled out a great deal, but before I was even old enough, like my mom at different points would kind of get into church and would get into faith. And I think it kind of helped her in the way that we were just talking about. It just kind of gave her something that she felt like, you know, the sense of community and, you know, the kind of warmth and being able to share something and, and kind of the security blanket aspect yeah. of it. Um, you know, cause my mom, my mom had kind of a rough upbringing. So like I get very much why something like that would be so appealing to her. Yeah. Um, and then later in life, my, my, her, her dad and, and, uh, well, my, my grandparents, like they got very into, uh, like before my grandfather passed away, they got very into going to church. Like they'd go to Baptist church when they were living in North Carolina, they'd go every week. They were good friends with the pastor. Um, but when I was younger, like when I was really young, um, I still have memories of my mom would go to church sometimes and would kind of drop me off at the like kids Sunday school. Yeah. And, you know, we'd color in little pictures of Jesus doing nice things and, you know, we get the little kind of kids book version of like, and then Jesus made more fish, uh, you know, so like it was all there. It was yeah. all around. And I remember like the, that, that church would do like for the kids, they do like kind of like, uh, you know, faith themed shows with like puppets and different characters and things like, uh, like on a stage, like kind of cool, like not like just in a corner of a little room somewhere, like kind of relatively elaborate stuff. And it was, I remember like it was fun. Um, I didn't hate being there. But I, at no point, even when I was really young, at no point did it occur to me for longer than about a second that all of this might be real, the way that it was being described. Hmm. It just didn't occur to me. I was like, there were moments where I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, this is fun stories. And like, we get to be a part of like the stories a little bit and we get to, but I realized as I got a little bit older, it was the same as like. I don't know when I was every so often when I was a little kid, like Sesame street live would come through town and like my, my grandparents would take me. Yeah. It was kind of the same part of my brain. It's like, Oh, we get to pretend that this stuff is real. Yeah. It was the same part of my brain that was being activated when I was in Sunday school okay. and I wasn't, I was not openly dismissive. I was totally content to be there. I didn't hate it, but it was the same part of my brain. It felt more like, Oh, we're all playing. Hmm. And this was, but again, too, like I was in a very kind of relaxed, permissive, more fun, like there was not a hint of fire and brimstone, you know, like it was the most pleasant, nice, fun, kind of kid friendly version of it. Um, yeah. So I wasn't exposed to to a lot of the ugliness that that religion has offered us until later. And that's when I really started to reject the concept entirely. Um, again, I've I've chilled out. My my feelings on it have become. I still have pretty strong opinions about certain things, but yeah. I, my my opinions have become a great deal more nuanced in the past decade or so. But yeah, I just never, I never bought in. I never did. I didn't yeah. wholly reject it, but I never, even as a little kid, it just didn't occur to me that this was real. Um, yeah, and then uh, then I got older and I got mad. Yeah, I got Ooh. I got pretty mad. <laughs> Was there a specific incident that created the tipping point or was it just as you got older, you started thinking about it more and it essentially crystallized into anger? Um, probably, it was probably a combination. Okay. I mean, honestly, I remember, and I think I was kind of starting to, starting to get here on my own before this, but I remember being, I was 14 
when my uncle died and it was my mom's brother and I was really I was very close with him yeah um, he lived in Virginia and I'd only get to see him a couple of times a year like for holidays and stuff but like like he was my he was like everybody's kind of favorite person he was like my mom's closest sibling he was the person that she would always go to when she needed somebody to lean on and like he was we were very close yeah and it was a big 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 hit when we lost him like that was the point at which like christmas stopped meaning anything to me because mm. like what made christmas the most fun for me is like this is when like uncle rick would come and like we get to spend time with him i get to see him he would stay with us and like i get to spend time with like my favorite member of my family and when he died like the holidays just kind of didn't mean as much yeah when he died um i guess i guess the, the services yeah the services were in were in florida he was living in virginia but like you know we wanted we i didn't i wasn't part of this decision making process but they wanted him to kind of be buried with like the family and you know like just to be to be back home um the uh the person they got to sort of officiate was there was one of their friends a pastor a baptist pastor from their church or one of their churches yeah and the gist of what the pastor was saying the whole time this guy that didn't know him uh the gist of it was basically well i don't know what kind of man he was but you know i hope he was a good man and he lived his life a certain way so that he could have gotten into heaven blah 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 yeah and I remember at 14 being so angry. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you bring this in here? We, we just lost one of the best people to this day, to this day. Uh, what? How old am I? Like 20 over almost. No, not 20. I can't do math. Um, <laughs> 15 years later, a little under 15 years later. Yeah. I still haven't met a better man than that man was. Yeah. How how dare you come in and question his character now that he's gone based on something that in this context is completely arbitrary? Yeah, has nothing to do with why we're here or what we're talking about. How da how dare you question his character based on your rules? Right. I got I'm I got mad, dude. Like I got really angry, and I was really angry for a long time. Yeah. About that. So to go back to answer your question. It was a combination. It was me thinking about it on my own. And then it was stuff like that. Yeah. That just every once in a while, something like that would happen. It would just give me a big old shove. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does yeah, it make no, sense it the way I just sense. told that story um, that it might peeve me a little bit? No, I get that. Like at my, uh, at my grandfather's, fu my grandfather's funeral, uh, last year, um, the guy who was doing the, the like pastoral stuff, like did something similar. And I, I like my sister and I were talking about it because he essentially was like, and he, it's, it's insane because he knew my grandpa, like they, like he took over, um, the church once my grandpa got too old to like do sermons and stuff. Um, and he, instead of being like, John was amazing. John was so cool. He, uh, he was just like, you know, I mean, he's gone. And if you don't, we're all going to die at some point. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, like you'll end up in the wrong place and you don't want to do that. So you better get saved. And it's like, look, sir, um, <laughs> we are here to celebrate this man's life, not try to convert people. Like that's not the context in which we are here and gathering. We're trying to mourn someone 
not like be like shamed or pressured into changing our own belief system. So like, I get that. And I get that. Like, I think that the evangelism aspect or the, like the, the conversion pieces, uh, of religion are the worst parts. Oh, that stuff's just ugly. I mean, it's, it's ugly. Like, honestly, you can find them. I want to, I want to look up the hashtag. There's a somebody on Twitter that I just recently started following was basically like his kind of mission statement for a, a minute was basically shining a light on all of the really like what is the most in hindsight the most crazy shitty abusive thing that you that was forced upon you in the name of you know religion like the different kind of often very subtle but deeply abusive behaviors. Yeah. Um, that are direct byproducts of people's faith. Right. And part of what that entails too, like a lot of that is kind of what you're describing is like the, the conversion stuff and basically like punishing somebody in a, on a very personal, sometimes physical level yeah. um, for not adhering to the, the faith and quote unquote the right way. And that's obviously, again, I don't want to make any generalizations because especially, you know, in the decades since I, I became really, really angry about this stuff. Um, I've met far more people of faith, far, far, a far greater variety of personalities and types and people of incredibly strong character. Some of some of the most intelligent people I've ever met are people of faith. Um, but there is, you can't ignore that there are so many ways in which it's been turned into something really ugly. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody should get to ignore that especially since it is something that is still so pervasive as a controlling force in our society even now yeah um the people that are the religious folks of all faiths that are making the news unfortunately the ones that have the most sway now they're not um they're not really thinking about the best interests of all people right i guess is the is the most uh simple and kind way I can put that yeah I think that like over the centuries of religious practice um there have been there definitely been ways that the the core ideas of religion are like empathy and love for fellow man but like the doctrine around it has been somewhat perverted to to serve people's needs Mm -hmm. um in different ways I really liked um an old friend of, well, we're still friends. Uh, a friend of mine, Annie Keller, who I went to college with, um, her church and her Bible study was probably one of the best ones I'd ever uh, attended in that, like, they took the time to not not take the uh, the scripture as law, but, like, they, they did intensives in which they would integrate the idea of, like, the historical context and things of that sort. Because, like, in in and we're spe- we're speaking specifically about like Western religion, like mm-hmm. Eastern religion is is a lot different, and they're they're different like things that are are um like not necessarily worshipped, but like believed and things I of have, that sort. By the so, way, sidebar: I have a very uh, relatively a very easy time with Eastern philosophies. I yeah. I don't s- subscribe to any religion, Eastern or Western. Yeah, but I have a much easier time with Eastern philosophy than with Western religious philosophy. Yeah, I think that there's a lot more 
there I think that there's a lot more baggage with with Western philosophy because we've had so many like I, I, I guess I guess I, you can't, I can't not use the term religious wars um, in the past and like you've had the in- inquisitions and things of that sort. So it's like you we've you know, gotten you know examples. who historically like really aren't doing too much violent shit to anybody else Buddhists. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, because their the whole thing is like, hey, you know. Let's just like all live on this world and and do good. We don't even eat animals and stuff. See, and like I don't consider myself a Buddhist, but I can kind of get behind that. Right. Well, I think it's because it is a, it is a list of not like concrete uh, rules, but a, a guideline of beliefs that have been passed down from generation to, to generations. I think that like the hardest part about like organized religion is that like these are a collection it it over time became a collection of rules and regulations about how do you live your life that have that are unflex inflexible um that are essentially interpreted by individuals and not the divine um and those those beliefs are then handed whole hog to another group of people right. who then interpret it their way and then they um you know introduce their own bias or their own beliefs into it and then and, give it to another and group. not for nothing as they're passing this text around through both time and space it's being translated and retranslated and untranslated and translated again eventually the literal text of the thing will change somewhat yeah because like i at like in its purest version um and I, I've, I've said this also about, like, the the purest version of, like, let's say communism. Um, in its purest version, like, it's a it's a great idea. It's 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 mm-hmm. essentially like, you know, equality and 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 and, um, you know, treating your your fellow man and not coveting what they want, not murdering them, not stealing, not like. Isn't it incredible how, things. though, it's incredible how on a long enough timeline, every beautiful, perfect thing is destroyed when you introduce human nature. Um, yes. I mean... Because you're right, on paper, just like communism. Yeah. Communism works great on paper. Introduce human nature to communism, doesn't work. Right. But I think that that is... Capitalism. Capitalism works great in theory on paper. Yeah. Introduce human nature to capitalism, we get where we are now. But the... Yes. And it's weird because the, the purpose of, like... Religion is to, like, help shape human nature, but, like, human nature will always find a way to... But, like, I think that that goes back to the inflexibility of the rules. Like, it's a, it's more that, like, we should take these philosophies and and find a way to keep them relevant in our own lives or, like, find a way to adapt them as we grow. Right. Like, this we can't be we're not living by the same rules we did 2000 years ago and so like being able to kind of take these philosophies and and bring bring not necessarily like cherry pick but like but like take the parts that you agree with and let them like resonate with you sure and then just like there is something a little bit intellectually dishonest about that though i've always felt the cherry and by the way there's a lot of really ugly stuff in that book so i'm glad that most modern people of faith do not uh, yeah. adhere to every word in it. Right. But in theory, the faith is based on the whole book, not just parts of it. So to me, that has always felt, uh, and again, I'll reiterate, 
I'm glad this is the case. Yeah. But it's always felt a little bit intellectually dishonest to me. Interesting. I feel like because because I I I feel like I am at most uh, uh, an optimistic nihilist. So like I I hope that nothing means anything. And so like I, I so but that means that like if there's a concept that I like that I think resonates with me that I can bring into my own existence, then I will just do that and not necessarily in any structured way. It's just more like. I like this. This feels like it represents me. So I will take that piece because I think that like we as individuals all have to kind of figure out what we, what, what our values are. Sure. Um, and I don't think that like, it's the same. Um, (laughs) I, my brain just went to like content management system, uh, because there's no out of the box, um, like, belief system that can represent the multitudes of individuals that we have. We have at this moment, 7 billion people in this world God. and all of them we keep making more too. I know, but like all of them have their own, like will eventually develop their own value system. Like everyone can't, uh, there's no umbrella. Right. Because we don't that, all have identical experiences at identical rates. Right. Yeah. So, like, I like the idea of, like, taking these philosophies and, and finding what works for you, as long as you're not, like, murdering people. Right. Um, Follow your whimsy, think, as long as your whimsy isn't strangling children. Right. Yeah. Then I think that, like, it is fine Oh no. To, uh, yeah, yeah, the net the net results of it, I do think, is very positive. Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying people shouldn't be doing that. That's actually, in my opinion, that's the, if there is a quote-unquote correct way to do it, I think that is the correct way yeah i've just always had a hard time reconciling the the cherry picking that some people do though again i'm glad they do that um with kind of what the what the basis of the whole thing is professed to be right you know yeah um so what lex michael yeah do you believe happens when we die okay so it sounds, I guess it sounds a little bit hokey, but the, I, I do buy into the, the, like the energy has to go somewhere. Shit, like the first, uh, what, law of conservation of, of matter, right? Is like energy cannot be uh, created or destroyed. It just yeah. sort of transfers, right? Right. So I have no problem buying, even before we get into any faith, just on a purely scientific level, there's a lot of energy in our bodies. Even if we feel tired and sluggish, it takes a lot of energy to power the human form. Yeah. Um, that energy does have to go somewhere. So I don't necessarily think our consciousness goes with it or our consciousness as we understand it because our consciousness as we understand it, right? It's just synapses and electrical impulses firing off in our brains. That really is what makes up who we are as we understand ourselves. Yeah. Once you die, your brain just sort of decomposes along with everything else. Yeah. So to my understanding, your consciousness goes with it. But the energy that powers you, that is what is left of you, in essence, um, that does have to go somewhere. So, you know, let's say, um, you know, let's say that you are buried after you die. They put you in a nice box and they put you in a nice hole and they cover the hole up with some nice dirt and they put a nice little rock with your name on it by where your head would be if you were alive Mm -hmm. uh, and screaming down there, I guess. Um, And then you start to decay, right? And like... that energy could go into the earth. It could become part of uh, some grass or a flower or shit. 
maybe your energy leaves your form the moment you die, which I could also buy. So where does that go? That goes, it's got to go somewhere. Maybe it just goes into the ether. Maybe yeah. it, maybe it passes to the person physically closest to you at the time of your death. I don't know, but that energy does have to go somewhere. And I believe, you know, we are not like we're all connected, like in the super hippy dippy sense of it. Yeah. But we're all made out of the same base material, right? Like a lot of people refer to it as like star stuff. You know what I mean? But like we're all made of the same base material. We all sort of came from the same base material. We'll all sort of return to the same base material. And I think we just sort of keep feeding the cycle of existence. Yeah. Now, how much we retain from each time we go around the cycle. Like I don't necessarily believe fully in reincarnation, mm -hmm. but I can totally buy that like, feedback into the cycle every so often like that energy that that what is what is uh the essence of you whether or not you're conscious of it will probably come back around in that cycle at some point right because yeah. if the universe is totally infinite even if the planet blows up eventually the cycle will come back around in right. theory um so you know maybe we end up we do end up in a sense being reincarnated because our energy ends up somewhere else a new a new vessel is created our energy maybe eventually it bounces around the cosmos for a little bit ends up back there but it's also possible it really is like i can't say it isn't nobody can say it isn't possible i guess that we die and our bodies decay or you know um cremated whatever but we do retain some form of consciousness it's just such a higher level of consciousness than what we were you know uh, in this in this these earthly vessels uh, is far greater than what we could have perceived and by extension far greater than anything we could have imagined that is possible yeah um but ultimately this idea that no we just essentially we our our vessel expires and our vessel will decay and will sort of return to the earth itself and then i think we whatever is left of us the energy if that's all it is sort of goes back into the cycle we just sort of become I guess in the most poetic way I could think to put it is we just become one with everything around us. Yeah. Until maybe one day our energy finds its way back into another living vessel. Interesting. And and that's honestly that's um that's as close as I can come to saying like I believe this. And yeah. I don't know. Like my biggest my most firmly held belief about what happens after we die is that I don't know and you don't know either. Yeah. So here's what I can wrap my head around. I really have, I have a hard time based on the number of contradictions in every faith. Yeah. I have a very hard time believing that it is anything like what is described. If only, if only because what is described, right? Like earlier it kind of came up in a more jokey way when we were talking about um, Job, I think. Yeah. But the way heaven is described, it's, it's described in a way that makes it feel sort of, uh, it, not totally dissimilar from life as we understand it now. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, you'll see all your friends and, and your family, like everybody who was gone, like you'll all be together in the great beyond, like all your pets will be there and everything's great. But it's like, you know, you could sort of picture you as you understand yourself or like maybe like your residual self-image and shit, um, kind of walking around and like being with people that you love and even sharing like a nice meal in heaven with all of your loved ones that you, you were separated from for so long, right? That all sounds very nice. But the fact that the human mind can conceive of that is an indication to me that most likely that's not what it's like. Gotcha. I cannot imagine that the human mind could begin to fathom and even a percentage of what it could be mm -hmm. after we expire. 
So I have a very hard time. Now, look, I haven't been there, but I have a very hard time buying it. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And I think the freakiest thing about religion, and it's not just religion, it's, it's, you could apply this to belief of any kind. To me, unquestioning blind faith is dangerous. Right. It is always dangerous, no matter, no matter what. Now, it doesn't mean you are dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you are a person of very deep faith and your faith is unwavering and unquestioning, I do not mean I think you are dangerous. I think the concept of blind, unwavering, unquestioning faith is dangerous. Yes. I think it becomes very, very, very easy. And again, I know that this is not every case, but it becomes very easy for anybody who puts their blind unquestioning faith in anything not just religion to have their their view of reality warped right quite a bit and that's something else that really put me off religion when i was younger i would i remember i remember getting into a conversation and i didn't realize this was the conversation we were getting into but i remember getting into a conversation when i was in i think my sophomore year of high school yeah and I was in an English class, and I forget what the assignment was, but it's one of those assignments where everybody gets kind of divided up into groups of four or five, and we all like look at a text and blah, 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 do something. Yeah. So I got into a conversation with this girl, and I guess I took it for granted that like other people didn't believe this stuff to such an extent that it could warp their perception of reality. I guess I hadn't, I like knew logically, but I don't think I'd ever really experienced it. And yeah. I forget how we arrived here in the conversation, but at one point she, and I guess like, and I hadn't meant to, but I guess I like kind of made her upset by poking at it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. She very sort of didn't yell or anything, but very pointedly asserted to me that there is more evidence uh, that Jesus Christ was alive than there is that George Washington was alive. Interesting. And and at that moment, I went, whoa. Like, I don't think I said this out loud, but I went, whoa. I don't... There's nothing I'm going to say now that's going to like... I don't think anything I say is going to be heard. Yeah. Because that is... that's, And this isn't me sitting here going, Jesus was pretend. That's not what I'm doing. That's just demonstrably ridiculously false it's yeah. just it's just plainly f the united states of america there we go debate settled uh yeah and that freaks me out like to me especially if you're if you're a parent like if you're a parent you're somebody of faith no i don't have kids so feel free to like plug up your ears till i'm done with this part if this is i'm overstepping or whatever i'm talking out of my element which i guess i am but it really i get upset when uh, people of faith who are raising children have very clearly prioritized the faith over reality, over the world that this child is actually going to have to grow up in and live in when, when they're teaching their kids that science isn't real. Um, that I, to me, and I don't want to be like whatever, and I hope I'm not offending too, too many people, but to me that's tantamount to child abuse. It It, it is. Um, and I get, I still to this day get, very not even not even angry honestly dude like i get upset when i see it yeah because to me it's like th there is very much a place if you're a person of faith of course there's a place for faith in your life in your home in the way you raise your child that's your prerogative right but you also have to consider the fact that that this child has to go out and and grow up in 
this world where science does exist, where there are things that are demonstrably true. Yeah. And these things can coexist with faith, which is one of the most frustrating things about this like anti-science evangelical movement to me is there is no reason these things can't coexist. Right. Science can be real and also designed and moved by God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that still like that's maybe the biggest thing. I mean, except, you know, obviously all of the violence. Um, that's the biggest thing that to this day, I think, like really upsets me about religion. It's like there's, of course, there's uh, so many places where when applied, you know, properly and, and kind of wholesomely and with the best of intentions, like it can be great. It can be a great way to give somebody a support structure, a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. Yeah. But if you question nothing ever, it becomes very easy for your own worldview to become distorted and it makes it that much easier for you to pass on a distorted worldview. And I feel, I really hope everybody listening, I really hope I'm not like seriously offending anyone because I understand fully this is not everybody. Like I said, like I've, I've chilled way out uh, compared to myself about 10 years ago. And I know many people of faith that are some of the best, smartest, wisest people that I know. Yeah. So I don't mean to attack anyone's faith. I, I just get when I see that it, it does upset me. Yeah. Do you, does that like, yeah. hopefully you tell me if I, if I said anything that's like egregious just now, because I really, I, I truly don't want to unduly offend because there are a great, 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 great many religious people out there. I, I do not intend to take shots at your faith or your beliefs or the way you live your life. It's just there are certain things that occasionally come out of that that, yeah, I think is clear I find kind of upsetting. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, and to, just to sum it up, it sounds like you're saying, liberate your mind, you motherfucker, you're so narrow-minded, so narrow-minded, so liberate your mind, huh? Huh. Liberate your mind, you motherfucker, you're so narrow-minded, so narrow-minded. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I would. I, I don't recall calling them motherfuckers, but... Um, well, you something, said something, something like, they're waiting for their modern messiah to take away all the hatred and darkness that... What? What's happening? I mean... Uh, I, was, I was more going for, uh, tell me you like it, tell me you want it, you're mine, and I don't need another one. Mm, got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I command you to rise <laughs> turn away from that dark in your eyes oh, <laughs> um, so no but like but so that all i uh yeah i don't it's it's obviously a very tricky thing to talk about yeah and i am deep i am deeply fascinated by theology yeah. I mean, even just the Bible as a piece of literature is a fascinating, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure if, if you do have any faith at all, you don't need to be told this. Right. Um, but it's a fascinating book. Obviously, it is such a major, major, major force in world history. It's all fascinating. You know, it really is. And I yeah. do not begrudge anybody their faith. Hopefully that's clear in this conversation. Hopefully, I think any, any devotion that, that that is that aggressive and unwavering to anything religion or otherwise you know what i mean like uh i love comic books but if that was my entire the entire prism through which i came to understand reality yeah that's probably not super healthy yeah well it's interesting uh, not to like send us on another thing 
but there's been a very there's like a, a current movement um kind of trying to distinguish the way that we um the way that we process relationships and love because a lot of it has been built on built and uh created or, or like our, our schemas have been um based on like the media, media that we consume yeah. and like love looks like this or yeah. like relationships look like this or friendship looks like this right or so lo- like right like there's going to be a special moment in your life where suddenly like you're it's the inciting incident you're on your hero's journey and shit right right and uh and so it's kind of like the the most practical example of that where like we have been not necessarily programmed it's been more of a passive programming in that like it is our majority exposure to that um beyond like whatever we see with our parents um and so it's the only example that we have and because we're all now of course there's so much media everywhere that like you could have 10 people in a room and then maybe none of them have seen the same stuff but for the longest time there was less stuff out there so we were all kind of sharing in a relatively small number of media experiences so we were all sort of being whether it was intentional or not i don't think it was actually that intentional but over time we were all in effect sort of being collectively brainwashed into thinking like it does look like this right and i think they were i don't think there was any sinister intention i think it's you know these are stories and this is an effective way to tell stories etc etc but over time i think the collective effect societally is like no we all even if we're not conscious of it fully, we're all on some level conditioned to think like, you know, like, yeah, yeah like uh, relationships, especially mm-hmm. like it, like, especially like the number of people. And this isn't a gender thing. You know, it's not just I've heard women or I've heard men. I've heard so many people, all walks of life talk about how, like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to hold out for somebody who treats me right and does this and does this and does this and does this. And does this because they on some level feel like they were promised that right you weren't like you occasionally will have to do some work on yourself so that you can go out and meet somebody in the middle because that's what real relationships are yeah it's not about one person being swept off their feet by the other person it's about doing the work and meeting in the middle and that's way less dramatic and it's way less sexy right and and kind of to keep the the parallel going like you there are also extremes in that like you you get that when you have like all of these shooters who feel entitled to these women who they feel like they are they like deserve right like they were owed this right yeah because of the schema of like you know you you do quote unquote what you're supposed to and the woman is supposed to essentially like become your prize it's that it's the extremes of that programming that kind of lead to those extremists yeah um so just to kind of put an analogy into like what we're talking about and that like you you were saying like in any belief system uh not just religion so like that is just another example of like how um the 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 schemas that we build can be kind of twisted into something it's not supposed to be right um so lex michael we are basically out of time yeah we went for a minute we went to some places we did we did we we got up got down come on got down with the sickness hell yeah like if if i saw you if i was like walking i was on a a merry jaunt and i looked across the street and i just i saw you walking just your like peppy stroll i'd look and i'd say there is a man there is a man who is down with the sickness madness is the gift that's been given to him (laughs) 
And I accept this, man. <laughs> um, Lex, Michael, if they want to talk to you about more stuff, where do they find you? If you want to tell me how badly I offended you, uh, A, I'm sorry. B, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Nice. Uh, and you can tell me how badly Lex Michael offended you <laughs> at Tari J, T A U R I J A Y on Instagram and Twitter. I don't think I said anything that inflammatory. Did no, I? No, not at all. Um, you uh, were, as always, a gentleman and a scholar. Good. <laughs> um, but uh, you can find this collective show <laughs> at. That was my reaction. <laughs> it like, belongs okay. in a disturbed song. <laughs> oh, oh, ooh. Um, you can find us as a collective at Missing Outcast. That's M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. You can also kind of call the you can also call the Missing Out Hotline, which is nine seven eight Miss Out. Um, let us know what you feel about the Believe album, or also let us know what you believe in general. Like, what are you religious? Are you spiritual? Are you agnostic? Are you uh, Buddhist? Are you are you Dallas? Are you um, Muslim? What like? What do you believe? What do you believe? Uh, what are they? The uh, was it Pastafarian with the flying spaghetti monster? Yeah, is that it is. Maybe you're a Pastafarian. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I actually I would love to talk to a pa- because I and maybe I'm insulting a whole Pastafarian demographic, but it like I was kind of under the assumption that that's not something people believe. It's something that they just, they're having fun with. And it's right. just almost like a fandom they're aligning themselves with. Yeah. I really want to meet a true believer, like a devout Pastafarian who really believes that the flying spaghetti monster is the prophesied Messiah that will come and save us all from <laughs> ourselves. So if you're a Pastafarian. Our Carby, Carby savior. Oh man. He's covered in butter and oil. Head on the thighs. Uh, yeah, so hit us up if that's you. Uh, we will see you next week. That's it. That's it, man. Bye. We'll all, we'll all be together podcasting in the great beyond. Yeah. Then we'll be Godcasting. Hell yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hell yeah. Do With him. Oh special guest, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>